Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this day. We give you the honor and the glory because your word is light and your word is spirit. The Bible says the entrance of thy word bringeth light and understanding to the simple. Therefore, we ask in Jesus' name that your word shall come forth with authority. I thank you that you make my tongue like the pen of a ready writer that I might teach and preach your word today. I pray that every heart is receptive, every mind is awake, and your word shall be sown into the lives of your people. I decree and I declare in the name that's above every name that not one person will leave this place the same way as they came. Save the lost, set the captives free, heal the sick, do what no man can do, and Lord in advance will give you all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name and everyone say, Amen. Amen. Go with me to the book of Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter number 26. And I want to speak to you today. I probably would do a two-part on this. And the top topic of my message is eternity on my mind. Eternity on my mind. That's what I want to speak to you about today. Eternity. On my mind. Matthew chapter number 26. I should be hearing your Bibles. Except you have a digital Bible. But if you have paper Bible. I should be hearing what you're hearing right now. <laughs> Matthew 26. Have you found it? Let's give some people some time to find it. Matthew 26. And we're going to read from verse number 26. It says, and as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body. I want to say, this is my body. Verse 27, and he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink ye all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. My focus is verse 29. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day. I won't say that day. Until that day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. That is why you've heard me say that the communion table is prophetic. The communion table is prophetic. Because verse number 29, Jesus said, I shall not drink with you henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. So the day is coming when he will drink with us again. Amen. So we can see that the table of communion is prophetic. So every time we come to the table, we must remember that Jesus is saying, the day is coming when I'll do this with you again. In the meantime, I want you to do this, but the day is coming when I'll do this with you again. So what I want to show you is what Jesus said will happen. Come on now, say amen. I'll do this with you again in my father's kingdom. Now, growing up as a young believer, I heard this question a lot. Where will you spend eternity? This was a question that was buzzing all over the place. As a young Christian, I heard people, even before I gave my life to Christ, people would ask the question, where will you spend eternity? And I want to ask you this afternoon, where would you spend eternity? Many Christians have forgotten or lost the concept of eternity because of the pursuit of earthly prosperity. You know, we teach on prosperity. We believe in prosperity, but we believe that prosperity that is done outside Christ is a waste. When you have Christ in you, you are prosperous. Come on now, say amen. The Bible says, Christ in me, hope of glory. 
When you have Christ in you, you are a success. When you have Christ in you, you've got life. Come on, say amen. amen. But there are so many in pursuit after material things that they have lost the concept of eternity. And I want you to come to the point where you have the kingdom of God as the ultimate priority in your life. That everything you do will come from the fact that there is a relationship that you have with Christ and you're living a life that brings him glory. I need you to know that this world is not your home. I said this world is not your home. You are a pilgrim. Tell somebody you are a pilgrim. You are a pilgrim on a journey. In John chapter 14 from verse 1 Jesus said let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. For in my father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare you a place. I want you to note, 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 note that. I go to prepare you a place. So he has gone ahead of us to prepare a place for us. I go to prepare you a place and when I'm done preparing you a place, I will come back. I will what? Come back and receive you unto myself that where I am there ye may be also. So there is a plan that God has revealed to us with regards to eternity. And Jesus has gone ahead of us to get us ready for that place because you've got to understand he's getting us ready here on earth and then he's also getting that place ready for us can someone say amen, amen. in the book of first corinthians chapter 15 verse number 19 it says if in this life only we have hope in christ we are of all men most miserable if in this life we have hope only in Christ in this life. We are most, we are of all men most miserable. But I want you to understand that there is life after this life. I say there is life after this life. There is a place where you and I will go to. I say there is a place where you and I will go to. Come on now, say amen. And it's important that we start getting ready for this place. Don't get caught up in the affairs of life. And you forget the fact that there is eternity. There is a place you and I are heading to. We are strangers on this earth. We are pilgrims on this earth. I was privileged to stand by the grave of John Bunyan who, of course, in London... The author of The Pilgrim's Progress. And when you read his book or you watch the movie. I actually watched the movie. Uh, it's an allegory of the Christian's journey to glory. And this man John Bunyan had run his, has run his own race. And he has crossed over to the other side. The day is coming when you will cross over. Are you listening to me? The day is coming when you will cry. Don't you forget what I'm telling you. The day is coming when you will cry. You that's sitting here right now will cross over. The day is coming when you will breathe out your last. The day is coming. Don't forget it. And because the day is coming, that is the reason why we must do all that we ought to do to be ready for that day. For some, it takes them by surprise. But I pray that it will not take you by surprise. I pray that each of us listening to the word of the Lord this morning will be ready for that day. Come on now, say amen. We shall be ready. In 2 Timothy chapter 4 from verse number 6. 2 Timothy 4 verse number 6. If you can turn with me in your Bible. 2 Timothy 4 6 so that I'm not just... Reading verses without you looking at them. Second Timothy chapter 4 from verse number 6. If you have found it, say amen. amen. 
For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. Notice, Paul knew his time of, of leaving the earth was around. That is a good way to live. And there are men that knew they were leaving before they left. Are you listening to me? If the rapture tarries, because a lot of times we say if Jesus tarries to return, but we've got to understand the difference between the rapture and the second coming of Christ. These are two different events. The next big event on God's prophetic timeline, on God's prophetic calendar, is the rapture of the church. I want to say the rapture. Yeah, so if the rapture tarries, the day is coming when I will breathe my last. And the day is coming for you too. Now, that's not to scare you. Don't start panicking. You're not going to live forever here. You're going to live long. I'm going to live long, but not forever. And even if you live for 120 years like some people wish, it's still very brief in, in comparison to eternity. Very brief. The Bible says life is like a vapor that appears for a moment and disappears the next. So even if you live for 120 years, the day you breathe out your last, everything you've done here on this side of eternity... It's over. Are you listening to me? Now, if it is longer on the other side of eternity, then I, I suppose we should be preparing for that. I said if it's longer on the other side of eternity, it means we should be getting ready for that. I mean, haven't you seen people work the whole year and plan for two weeks of vacation? They put money together, and I know that's a culture in so many places. People work hard just to go on a two-week vacation. They save up thousands of dollars to spend on a two-week vacation. Just a two-week vacation. I'm not saying you shouldn't save up and go on vacation. I'll go on vacation this year myself. So go on vacation. But the thing is this. What I'm trying to, to, to show you is as you're planning Life on earth, you've got to plan life after earth. Because I can guarantee you, this vacation we are going to will never end. <laughs> this is called eternity. Are you listening to me? Now, for those of us that believe we will make it to heaven, uh, I can say it's, it's vacation. But for those that are not going to heaven, I'm sorry, it's not going to be vacation. You know, because when you go on the vacation, it's fun, you're enjoying life, you, you go around, you see places, you eat nice meals, right? Yeah. You sleep and rest, but in the lake of fire, there is no sleep. In the lake of fire, there is no rest. The Bible says the worms don't die, and the fire is not quenched. And if you miss heaven, you wouldn't miss hell. Nobody goes to hell by mistake. Oh, I didn't know I was coming here. There's, listen, hell, <laughs> people would go to hell by choice. That was said by choice. Nobody will accidentally go into hell. It doesn't happen. So nobody will get into hell and say, oh, I did not know I was coming. Nobody will go to heaven by accident. Eternity is a choice. Thank you for that one, yes. It, it, somebody's taking note. Etern tell your neighbor, eternity, eternity. is a, a choice. You've got a choice to go to heaven or to go to hell. And I want to say this, God cannot make you come to heaven. The devil cannot make you come to hell. You must have to cooperate with God to go to heaven. How do you cooperate with God to go to heaven? You receive the gift of salvation. For if a man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. 
He came unto his own, his own did not receive him, but as many as received him, to them he gave power or, or right to become sons of God, even to them that believe in his name. That is the ticket you need to go to heaven. Jesus is the way. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. So Jesus is the way. Tell somebody Jesus is the way. Hey, don't let anyone lie to you that there are many ways to heaven. No, no, there is only one way. Jesus is the way. Come on now, and we've got to be bold about this. And we've got to teach this to the people of God because so many in the church don't even know this. They are bought into the lie that is running around in, 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 in the world that there are many ways to heaven. No, I'm here to announce to you that there are, you don't have many ways. There is only one way. Come on, I said there is only one way. And the only way to see God face to face when you close your eyes in death and breathe out your last is if Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life. If Jesus Christ lives in your heart, then you are guaranteed a place in heaven. But if Jesus Christ is not in your heart, I'm sorry, you can do all the good works you do. You can give to the poor. You can build churches. You can buy homes for people. You can take people out from the streets and put them into a, a nice house and put clothes on their backs and give them food to eat. You will still not go to heaven because you don't have what it takes to buy your place into heaven. The Bible says, by grace are you saved through faith. It is not your works, it is the gift of God. Amen. Jesus is the only way. Yes. Jesus is the only way. Amen. And if you've come into this place today, or you're watching by way of the internet, and you have not come into a personal relationship with Jesus, today is your opportunity. Amen. Come on, say amen. You can come into a personal relationship with Jesus. And when he comes into your heart, he will wash you clean. And his blood will remove your sin. And he will plant in you his nature. And your name will be written in the book of life. Come on, say amen. The Bible says... Books were opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of the things written in the books. And whosoever was not found, reading in the book. Everyone said the book. There is only one book. There is only one way. Notice the book of death are books. The book of life is a book. Jesus is the only way. In actual fact, the moment you receive Jesus Christ into your life, your name is in the book. Come on now, that amen is very weak this morning. Your name is in the book. And, and, and if you have received Christ, your name is in the book. Come on, say amen. Your name is in the book. Come on, say amen. We used to sing a song back in the day about the book. My name is in the book. Is your name in the book? Is your, oh, you're not sure. Is your name in the book? In the back. People in the back are not sure if their names are in the book. Is your name in the book? No, if your name is not in the book, don't say yes. Because your yes does not automatically put your name in the book. If your name is not in the book, your name is not in the book. The only way for your name to come into the book is by giving your life to Jesus. Jesus Christ came from heaven to earth and he paid the price for your sin. And that is the reason why your name can be written in the book. Come on, say amen. amen. The price for sin has been paid. He paid with his precious blood. He shed his blood on Calvary's tree so that you don't have to shed your own blood. The Bible says without a shedding of blood, there is no remission. The word remission means to remove. So sin can be removed. Amen. Back under the Old Testament, sin was not removed. Sin was covered. And so on the day of atonement, the high priest would go into the most holy place, not with uh, not without blood, the Bible tells us. So he goes in, in the book of Leviticus, we see that he goes in with blood. And the blood is a representation of the blood of Jesus. But back under the Old Testament, the blood of bulls could not wash sin away. So it only covered. That is why the high priest must go in again in another season. He has to do it once every year. To atone for the sin of the people of Israel. But praise God, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God came. Oh my goodness, I said, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. That's why John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus, he said to his disciples, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away. Everyone say, He takes away. 
Behold a lamb of God that takes away, not cover, but it takes away the sin of the world. And Jesus came and he died on Calvary's tree and he took the sin of the world away. And guess the reason why people go to hell? Because they've refused to accept the sacrifice. It's a gift. For the wages of sin is what? But the gift. But the gift. But the gift. This is a gift. But the gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. So all you've got to do is receive the gift. Receive the gift of eternal life. Because when you receive the gift of eternal life, your eternity is secure. Come on, say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So Paul said, for I am already being poured out. In other words, it's time for me to depart. The time of my leaving this earth is close. I have fought the good fight. That is how you're going to live your life in Jesus' name. Amen. You're going to fight this good fight. You're not going to give up. Come on now, say amen. amen. You're not going to throw in the tower. You're not going to say, I'm done with this Christianity. You're not going to say, I'm done with worshiping God. I'm done with going to church. No, you will fight and you will win. Amen. Come on now, say amen. amen. It is those that overcome that shall be crowned. Amen. It is those that overcome that shall be given gifts on that day. And God wants each of us to overcome. And I tell you the devil will throw things in your way. To try to get you to give up. And sometimes things happen in the church. To cause people to give up. And people get discouraged. And they say if that happens in the house of God. I wouldn't go to that church anymore. Listen the devil is trying to cause you to throw in the towel. And to give up. But I decree and I declare over you in the name of Jesus. You will not throw in the towel. You will not give up. You will not cast away your confidence that carries a great recompense of reward. You will run your race and you shall run well. And you shall fight this fight of faith. And you shall fight well. And you shall finish well. If you believe it, give the Lord a big hand of praise the Lord. I just want to say to you, God is perfect, but people are not. So don't be deceived by the fact that people act funny and strange. Don't let that faze you. Don't let that bother you. Many have left the house of God because of what happened to them. And some left for some stupid reasons, by the way. I came in, nobody greeted me at the door. I'm sorry nobody greeted you at the door, but... If you leave the house of God because you were not giving a handshake at the door, I wonder what you would say when you stand side by side with Paul. No, really. Some of the reasons why people leave the things of God are really stupid things. Stupid reasons. When men like Paul were beaten and with rods. I won't say with rods. Oh my goodness. You know what it means to beat you with, with, with a rod? It goes, it goes deeper. It's different from beating you with a, with a cane. A rod will go deeper, break your bones. He was stoned and left for dead. Are you listening to me? Under no circumstance should you leave God. Because I tell you, whatever happened that you felt was wrong... Or injustice that was done to you was not done to you by God. Somebody terrible did it, but it's not God. Come on now, say amen. amen. And God does not approve anything evil. Amen. The Bible said God is good in him, there is no evil. Amen. Come on now, say amen. amen. So don't let the devil cause you to throw in the towel and give up on God. Because God is not the enemy. Tell your neighbor, God's not the enemy. Praise God. My time of departure, he says, is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. That's what's going to happen. You're going to fight well and you're going to finish well. Amen. He says, I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. I want to say on that day. I like that. Notice there is a day when believers will stand before God and be judged. No, I'm talking about eternity on my mind. 
That's the topic of my message. Eternity on my mind. There is a day when we shall stand before Jesus, the judge, and we shall be judged for how we lived our lives here upon this earth. Everyone that is sitting here today will be judged. I don't know if you've been taught, but I want to teach you today that there is a day of judgment. And that day is coming very fast. You will stand before him. You will be judged. Your motives will be judged. Oh my goodness, getting quiet in this Pentecostal church. Your <laughs> motives will be judged. The reasons why you did the things you did will be exposed. The Bible says there is nothing covered that will not be uncovered. Everything shall be uncovered before the presence of God. Second, First Corinthians chapter number 3. As you come before the judgment seat of Christ, the beamer, judgment seat of Christ, you will be judged. Because you've lived your life as a Christian and the things you've done must pass through fire. Come on, say amen. amen. And the Bible tells us in First Corinthians chapter number 3 that if the things you've done are, were, were done uh, with these materials, there are three materials that you can use in building here on the earth as a Christian. Number one, gold. Number two, silver. Number three, precious stones. The Bible says that your works will pass through fire and you will be rewarded. But then there are three more that you don't want to be building with. These three are known as wood, hay, and stubble. When they pass through fire, guess what? They burn up like kerosene. They burn up. The Bible says you will go in. But you'll get, you get no reward. And I tell you, I don't want to leave on the other side without a reward. That is the reason why we must check the motive of our hearts. Come on, say Amen. Hey, why are you in church this morning? Is it because you don't want Pastor Gordy to call you on Monday? No, really. You, 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 you think, listen, this is important. Everything we do when we come to the house of God, everything we do in relation to God must be done with a pure motive. Are you listening to me? Always with a pure motive because God sees your motive. Men see your action. God sees your motive. That is why God said to the prophet Samuel, says, no, no, I've rejected that one. That, that one, no, 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 that's not the king. Lord, second one, no, 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 that's not, that's, not the, that's not the king. Until David showed up. God said to Samuel, men look on the outward, I look on the heart. Hey, God's looking at your heart. Amen. Have you noticed in the Bible, God does not say, give me your head. He said, give me your heart. Yes. God looks at the heart. God looks at the heart. Even when it comes to giving, I've told you many times that there are offerings that God does not receive. Because we see in the Bible that God rejected Cain's offering. Did Cain give an offering? Yes, he did. But God rejected his offering. So don't think because you gave, your offering was accepted. God sees your motive. The pastor may not see it. The ministry may not see it, but God sees it. Come on now, shout hallelujah. The day of judgment. Each of us will be judged. What are we going to be judged for? For sin? Not for sin. You know why we won't be judged for sin? Because our sin was judged on Christ. Jesus Christ took our sin. Come on, say amen. Jesus Christ took our sin and gave us his righteousness. The Bible says, he that did not know sin became sin sacrifice that we might be made the righteousness of Christ. Or the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Can I tell you this morning that you are righteous? Oh, some people in the back does not believe it. I say, can I tell you this morning that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? You, you don't understand. It is not your righteousness. It is the righteousness of Christ 
that was imputed in you. It was given to you. It is not because of what you did. You can't be righteous enough. You cannot. You don't have the ability. But Christ did what you couldn't do. And gave it to you for free. Come on, say amen. I think we need to give him some praise on that one. He gave you. He took your sin away. Gave you his righteousness. You had no righteousness. You could not be righteous. You could not fulfill the terms. And God saw each of us in our miserable state. And he came from heaven. And he paid the price for us. Come on, say amen. Amen. And you know what he did? He put his righteousness in us. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Tell three people, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Yes, you are. Now, if you're not born again, you can be born again today. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, and I know you are a whosoever today, that whosoever believeth in him will not perish. Hey, my friends, God does not want you to perish. I feel like the gospel is in my mouth today. Whosoever believeth, believeth in Jesus. Not believe in yourself. Some people believe in themselves. Hey, 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 if you die right now, you sure you go to heaven? Yeah, I will go to heaven. Why? Because I'm a good person. No, you won't go to heaven because you're a good person. Heaven is not a place for good people. Heaven is not a place. Write that down. Put it on Instagram. Heaven, <laughs> heaven is not a place for good people. Quote Pastor Godwell. Heaven is not a place for good people. Good people don't go to heaven. Heaven is a place for godly people. Yeah. Not for good people. Not for good people. Remember the young man was good? The young, the good man, the young rich ruler who came to Jesus and said, Good master. Just imagine the way he addressed Christ. He addressed him as good. He brought Christ down to the level of man. Oh yeah, that's what he did. You, you probably don't realize it. He brought Jesus Christ down from the, basically from divinity to humanity. It says, good man, a good master. What good things? See, the man is focused on good things. God's not focused on good things. God's focused on godly things. What good thing should I do? You see, the man thinks it's about doing. And that's what religion does. Religion will tell you if you do good, if you give money, if you help the poor, if you... No, no, it's not how you do. It's what he did. Uh, I say it's not what you do. It's not how you do. It's what he did. We've got to come into that fully and resting that. It is not what we do. That is the reason why people are striving to do. And because they are striving to do, they are always falling short. Because you cannot strive to do. If you strive to do it in your flesh. Just live the life because the nature is on the inside of you. And when you trust in what he did. The life of Christ in you will automatically flow. That's how it works. That's how it works. That is the reason why. Listen. Some people say but I'm struggling pastor. I'm struggling with this sin. You know why people struggle? They say oh there is an area of addiction. I've come to the understanding that revelation will bring you freedom. Uh, revelation brings you freedom. When you have a revelation, 
it brings you liberty come on say amen and so all the struggles and all the stuff that people try to do in their natural ability, in their strength. And the more they try, the more they fail. That is why New Year's resolutions don't work. In the year 2022, I will never smoke cigarette. You hear people make resolutions like that. And then three months into the New Year, they're already smoking. It is not of him that willeth. Or run it. It is of him that shows mercy. The race is not to the swift. The battle is not for the strong. The Bible says through God or by God I can run through a troop. And by God I can leap over a wall. It's always by God. Come on now. It is, it's not about your ability, your willingness, your resolution. It's about the grace of God. And my Bible says it gives more grace. So you wake up in the morning. You say, Lord, I receive grace for today. And the grace will carry you. Praise God. There is a seed inside you. It's the seed of Christ. It's the seed of righteousness. It's the nature of God that dwells in the believer. And that nature just automatically, if you will let this nature, the nature is potential. But if you don't let this potential operate through you, you will not see the power and the ability of this potential. As many as received them, to them he gave power to become. To become what? Sons of God. Even to them that believe in his name. The power is given. The ability. The right is given. You are a child of God. You've, you just have to come to the revelation of the fact that you are a child of God. Uh, last Sunday in the French service, I painted this very nice picture. I, I, didn't, I was painting this picture and the Lord just helped me to paint it beautifully. Think about this. Your father is the president of your country. I don't know if you know that children of presidents don't suffer. Um, they go to the best schools, they eat the best meal, they go to the best restaurant. They're not thinking of when the next rent money is coming. Uh, they travel wherever they want to travel all over the world. They just get a ticket and travel because they have uh, immunity. Correct? Their father's position covers them. You don't see a son of a president lining up at the embassy looking for a visa. I'm preaching good, say amen. Is this true? Even if you come from what they call the third world country. It doesn't matter the country you come from. If your father is... I've never seen a poor president. Never seen a... Never. Never seen a poor president. Most people in the community or in the nation will be living in abject poverty. The president is living in, in wealth and affluence. No poverty. Children go to the best schools. Children eat the best meals. Children don't even... I mean, they drive the best of the best in the country. It's true. Because your daddy is the president. And just an understanding of your daddy's position does something to you. Hmm? Anybody getting what I'm saying this morning? Just an understanding of your daddy's position does something to you. The first son of the country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because your, your father is the first man. Your mother is the first lady. You the first son. You the first daughter of the country. Is that correct? That's how it works. That's how it works. That's how, that's how it works. So they carry themselves with, you know, such confidence. And, and you know, with the knowing of who their father is. And also who they are. Because the... the this thing about your father just rubs off on them. Some places are crazy. Some places, man, the children of wealthy and the rich and the, the leaders of the countries. When they're coming into a shopping mall, everyone leaves. Before they come. When they come in, they do their shopping, they leave and everyone else can go in and do their shopping. They obviously don't go into a shop and start 
negotiating and, and asking, uh, can I pay 10? Can I pay $10? Can I? <laughs> is, this, is this true? So true. But think about this. Your father is the president, but you don't know. Now, someone might say, but Pastor God, how is that possible? Well, let me paint a picture like I painted on Sunday last uh, in the French service. Your father, when he was in high school, met this woman and something happened. And the woman got pregnant and she gives birth to this boy. But then... The relationship did not continue because the man was afraid. He didn't want to continue the relationship. He was, he was, he was, he was in high, he was in high school. No, the reason, no, the reason why a lot of men don't take responsibility when pregnancy happens is because they are afraid. Fact, fact, no fact. No, it's a fact. It's a fact. It's a fact. Okay, so he is afraid. He he does not want his education destroyed, right? And so he. He does not want to have anything. So he tells you, you, who am I the one? No, I'm not. <laughs> don't, don't you, don't you ever. So he threatens you. Is that correct? He threatens you. No. The other day I saw you with the other guy. So don't tell me it's not me. And so you know how these things happen, right? And so he ignores you. And so you have to go your way. And now you have a baby. 25 years later. 30 years later. That man walks his way up and becomes the president. I mean, if you know that's possible. Now he's the president. And all the other kids that he has are enjoying life, going to Dubai on vacation. And you know, but somewhere, there you are. <laughs> so, so, somewhere. There you are, there you are somewhere in one remote, remote part of the earth, in one remote part of the country. You are there somewhere and your mother never told you what truly happened. In actual fact, listen now, listen now, in actual fact, your mother, your mother eventually gets married and he tells you that this one is your, no, this one is not your father. Your father is the president, but you think this one is your father and this one is broke. You know what I'm talking about? This one is broke. Now watch this. Now, now see what happens. So now you're living all your life. You're living all your life struggling. Because of ignorance. Can you see what I'm trying to say? You're living all your life struggling to pay bills. And, and, and nothing seems to work for you. Life is just hard. But if you knew. Oh my. If only you knew. And the day they break that news. That would be really. That would be a, a, a very big breaking news. The day someone comes to you. And break that news. People get upset for a while, but they eventually. Why? 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 Why did he? Why did he not tell me? Why did he ignore us? Why? Why did he abandon us? I can't take that. But just give them a week or a month. But are you seeing what I'm trying to say? Now, now watch this. The moment you have a realization or, or a revelation of who your father is, it changes your status. It does. And everything you have lost growing up returns back to you. <laughs> I want to say to you, that you are the child of the president of presidents. You, you are the child, you are the child of the king of kings. 
You are the child of the one who made the heavens and the earth. And just the realization of that changes the way you live. And everything you've lost in your state of ignorance will be restored back to you. Because now you take your position. Oh, think about, I believe, I believe it's Luke chapter 16, the story of the prodigal son. Luke 16. The prodigal son goes to a far country, wasted all the wealth through riotous living, comes back home. And the father said, kill the fatted calf because my son was dead, now he's alive. My son is, was lost and now he's found. And let us celebrate. Correct? Now watch this. There is party. There is music. There is food. And people are all over the place excited. And here comes the first son. I want to say the first son. First son comes in and asks one of the workers, what's going on here? What is all this music I hear? Ah, you remember your brother? That, that one? The one that left? Yeah, he's back home. What? Yeah, he's back home. In actual fact, your father told us to kill the fatted calf and to call for a party because his dead son is alive and his lost son is back home. And so that's the reason why we are having all this celebration. Guess what the older son did? Go straight to his father. Father, all these years, I won't say all these years. That's the way some Christians have lived their lives. All these years I have served you. There has not been one time I disobeyed you. I always do what you say. When did you ever give me anything to celebrate with my friends? With all that I've done. The father said to him, son. I was a son. son. That's how God refers to you. But you don't know. Son, everything in the house belongs to you. Everything, every, look, son, son, what, you don't need me to tell you. You don't need me to give you. All I own are yours. Whenever you wish, you can call your friends together. You see, the problem of this, of this uh, son is the ignorance that was in him. If only he knew. Tell someone, if only you knew. But from today, in the name of Jesus and by the reason of the word and the anointing, the blinder is removed. The veil that's been covering your eyes. The veil that's been blocking your views. In the name of Jesus, it is removed from today. Amen. Not anymore. Will you, will you live in ignorance? Not anymore. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. They are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. May you realize who you are today and who your father is. The gold is mine, says the Lord. The silver is mine. The earth is the Lord's. And the fullness thereof, the people and they that dwell in it. Demons are not supposed to chase you. You should chase them. Demons are not supposed to dominate your life. You should dominate them. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you see how ignorance has robbed so many people. And that is the reason why people are living below that which God has made available. Many years ago, this was many years, Pastor Corey preached a message that blessed me. He preached a message entitled, High Life versus Low Life. High Life versus Low Life. The life we have is high life, not low life. And I believe it was a year or two years ago, I preached a message entitled from, uh, uh, what's, what's that again? 
uh, from mankind to God kind. I preached that message from mankind to God kind. We are at the level that God has placed us. Ephesians chapter 2 makes it very clear that we've been made to sit together with Christ. Now, if you've been made to sit together with Christ, that means you have the life of Christ and you are at that level where Christ is. Come on, say amen. Amen. Praise God. Now, like I said, I'm going to do this as a two-part series. But I want you to understand that there is a day when you will be judged. When I will be judged. And when that day comes, everything that you've done for God here on the earth will be exposed. The motive will be exposed. And I want us to begin to make the adjustments necessary. And also to come to the realization today that you are a child of God. If you are a child of God, then all the benefits of being a child of God are in you. Let me say this again. Christ in you, hope of glory. Christ in you, hope of glory. Christ in you, hope of glory. Because he is in you, you carry a glorious destiny. Praise God. You carry a glorious destiny because Christ is in you. You won't be defeated. I say you will not be defeated. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. But, but if you have not come to Christ, then you don't carry this glorious destiny. If you haven't come to Christ, the Bible makes it very clear that if your name is not in the book of life, you will spend eternity in the lake of fire. Listen to me. The lake of fire is a real place. Okay? Jesus, if you study the, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you will discover that Jesus talked more about hell than he did heaven. You, you do your own study. Jesus talked more about hell than he talked about heaven. Because, see, see, think about this. You want to take people to a place. But before you take them to the place you want to take them to, you need to first bring them out from where they are. Is that correct? The Bible says, he that does not have the son does not have life. So before you come into this new place, you must first come out of where you are. And that, I believe, is what God is still doing today. He came to seek and to save the lost. Let no one deceive you. All this nonsense people talk about, you know, when we get to hell, we'll be playing music with Michael Jackson. <laughs> you, you, people deceive themselves with this nonsense. And it's a, it's, it's a lie from the pit of hell. You wouldn't play music in hell. Hell is not a place of rejoicing. It's a place of torment. It's a place of torment. So there are two places. Everyone say two places. And you will go to one. And like I've said in this message, you won't go to heaven or hell by accident. You will go to heaven or, or hell by choice. So my question to you this afternoon is, where do you want to go to? Even heaven. Where do you want to go to? But like I said, the only way to go to heaven is receiving Christ into your heart. So maybe you've come into this place. And every time you get the opportunity to receive Christ, you procrastinate. And if you keep procrastinating, you may miss it. Because, listen, life and death are parallel. One moment you might be walking on the street of life. The next moment you're going to cross over to the street of death. Are you listening to me? 
So the day comes when you breathe out your last. Where will you spend eternity? This is the question that we need to keep asking. Even though you are a child of God, you need to keep asking this question. And the more I go deeper into this message, the more you see why it is even possible for some Christians to miss it. Now, don't get, don't, don't get theological on me right now. I'm telling you. Some people, some people that are serving right now, serving the Lord, might not be doing so in the next two years. That's not my wish. That's not my prayer. But I pray that you are consistent in your faith. Amen. This thing, this thing that people teach, the, 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 uh, the Calvinist doctrine of once saved, forever saved, or always saved, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. You've got to keep yourself in the love of God as you trust God daily to lead you. The man of God from Nigeria who told the testimony after he died and came back to life. Uh, he was, his, his, his cups was taking, his body was taken to Reinhard Bonke's crusade or Reinhard Bonke's meeting in a church in Lagos, Nigeria. And they took him there and as... The man of God was ministering. He didn't even know that they had brought uh, a dead body into the, into the building. They took him, I think, to the basement. And as he was ministering, the man came back to life. But when he came back to life, he told the story. He has even been to Tampa, Florida, the River Church in, in, in Tampa, Florida, where Dr. Rodney had him and he gave it the testimony of his life. He said when he died, an angel came into the car and, and took his spirit. And then he went to heaven. And then at some point the angel said to him. Let's go to hell. And took him to hell and showed him people in hell. And he said I saw a pastor there. Who said I, I ate church money. I'll give it back. I'll give it back. I ate church money. I'll give it back. You cannot toy with the things of God. The Bible says, let those that name the name of God depart from iniquity. And the angel said to him, if today was your last, you're not coming to heaven. That's where you should go to. He said, but this man was a traveling minister. Successful in ministry. Traveling, ministering to people. The angel said, if today was your last day, you are not coming to heaven, you go to hell. What? Yeah. You know why he would have gone to hell? He said, I had a quarrel with my wife that we did not resolve. He had refused to forgive his wife. So please don't, don't, don't start thinking your theology right now. You refuse to forgive. You carry grudge. You carry strife in your heart. I'm sorry to tell you, you. You're not making it to heaven. The Bible says in Revelation 22, nothing that defileth will enter there. I ask you the question, why do you think God didn't say, give me your head? He said, give me your heart. Give me your heart. It's your heart. And when your heart is defiled, I'm sorry. There is no way you can make it. This is why many, unfortunately, will miss the rapture. I was invited to preach in a church. It was my first time in this church in London. And I was passing through London, going to Germany. So I did one meeting in this church. But the pastor said to me, I want you to preach on forgiveness. We've never met. His assistant came here, worshipped with us, and liked the ministry, and told the pastor about me. And so when I was going to Germany, I passed through London. And I preached. I did one Tuesday service for them. And he said to me, preach on forgiveness. And as I was preparing, I, I could hear the Holy Spirit say to me, uh, approach it differently. Instead of talking on or preaching on forgiveness, preach on strife. 
the Lord said to me, you don't need to deal with the branches. You need to deal with the root. Because we keep talking about forgiveness, cutting the branches. You cut the branch of the tree, it's going to grow back. But you, you deal with the root, it will never grow back. So the Lord said to me, deal, deal with the root, and the root is strife. The, the issue is not forgiveness. Forgiveness is needed when strife has happened. And as long as you live in, the, in this earth and you go to church, you will have opportunities to be offended. You will. So I stepped up there as he invited me and I preached on strife. And I touched several areas of strife. Strife with, within the church. You know, there are people that are upset with church. There are people upset with their pastor. There are people offended. Offense in the church. Offense. See, the fact that people sit, sit in church and look like angels. <laughs> when you get to hear what is in their hearts. And the Bible says out of the abundance. I just need to sit with people and listen. And of course sometimes as a pastor they wouldn't tell me. But what people say behind. All the bickering, all the, the, you know, the people are upset, offended. I don't like this. I don't like that. What do you like? <laughs> you live with people. People will not give you what you like all the time. Amen. Grow up. Grow up. Get over this emotion. Grow up. Be mature. Strife, bickering, murmuring, complaining. Why did Israel not enter the promised land? Because of their attitude. Complaining, murmuring, bickering. <laughs> In church, strife. In marriage, I touched I touch that too. In marriage, I told my story. My wife and I couldn't resolve our strife. And the spirit of strife came into the home. You've heard that story. We were fighting. Fighting is not just when you box. Fighting, fighting starts from the heart. When you've lived two, three days not even talking to your wife or your husband. And you tell me, the rapture is going to happen. <laughs> no, you're not going nowhere. No, you're not going. You're not going. If you don't love your friend or your neighbor that you see, how dare you say you love God that you don't see? We have to work on this marriage. And we worked on it. One day I looked at my wife. I said, hey, we haven't quarreled in a long time. We used to, f yes. This is a fact. Some days, three days. And she will bring the food, put it on the table. That's your food. And yeah, yeah. That's true. Early days, of, early days of our marriage. Now I'm being transparent. Don't laugh at me. Laugh with me because God has given me the victory. Yeah. We, we changed. We changed. We, we worked on it. And I learned that you cannot change your spouse. Because, you know, we try to change them. Don't do that. I don't like that. No, 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 no. Relax. Give her a break. So you know what I discovered? When I change, she will change. When she changes, I'll change. So I, I stopped trying to make her change. She stopped trying to make me change. We observe the change in us and we change. Come on, say Amen. Friendship. There isn't one person in this earth that I cannot sit with and honestly from the bottom of my heart wish well. There is not one person. There isn't one person I will meet on the street and cross the other side of the road. Cross over to the other side of the road. There is not one person. I'm not going to sit there 
I'm not sitting there. Why? Because you carry strife in you. There's something in you. That thing is what's going to hold you back. Like I preached last Sunday on, uh, you know, the power of the seed and how you give Ecclesiastes 11. If you notice, it says that the, if you consider the, the weather, you will not sow. Is that correct? Now, if you notice, the same thing that stops you from sowing is the same thing that stops you from reaping. Is the weather. Is the conditions around you. So if you carry this thing in your heart, it's going to hold you back. So I finished preaching in this church, and I think I preached for like 45 minutes, and I give the microphone back to the pastor. Pastor came up to the pulpit, and the pastor said, Church, listen, I've never met this man before. Basically, by the Spirit of God and by the Word of God, I read the email of the church. I was just telling them what was going on in the church. Strife. See, I've never met him. I did not tell him what's happening here. But I want to say this. I want to say this as much as I give, I give God the glory for that. But I want to say this. I can go to literally all the churches on the earth and preach that same message on strife. And I'll find people that are in strife. I don't even, listen, I don't even need the Holy Spirit to tell me to preach it. Wherever I preach it, you find people in strife. I call this the sin that is most difficult to deal with. Yeah. I call this strife the sin that is most difficult to deal with. And the closer you get to people, the easier it becomes to be in strife. Keep your heart clean. Tell your neighbor, keep your heart clean. You're married, keep your heart clean. You are in church, keep your heart clean. You are in ministry, keep your heart clean. Praise God. So let's get rid of all this stuff. Somebody get on the piano for me. Let's get rid of all these things. Get them out of you. Get them out of you. You don't need them to stop you because they will stop you. Anybody hear what I'm saying this morning? You don't need them to stop you. If you let them, they will stop you.